1: The Big Betts on Campus Podcast. Podcast.
2: Podcast. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining.
3: They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they it. A miracle. It's double
0: order. Hit that one from the parking lot.
2: Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the Three Man Weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox. Every Wednesday morning, we'll be dropping another BBOC episode, talking all things betting in the world of college hoops. Today's episode, your standard flavor from the Three Man Weave. We got our live dog of the week, our power game of the week, the blowout section, the mid-major game of the week, and of course, our spotlight section. Today's Spotlight, recent form, you could call it, current form of teams across the country. How good have they been since January 15th? About one month ago is the sample size. We'll get to that at the end of the show. As always, we dive first into our Live Dog of the Week section. And fellas, it was crushed last week.
0: Where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog.
2: We've been doing well overall on the show, but last week, not very good. Chicago State failed to cover. We never actually endorsed that one officially, I don't think, but we mentioned it on the podcast, so I'm going to mention everything we mentioned for good faith here. Now, Santa Barbara got smoked. Lost to UC San Diego by 20. That was awful. Arkansas was smoked at home against Tennessee, once again proving they are just not that good of a basketball team. Campbell, Covered for Matthew. Congratulations. Roll Almost got humps. the win over Monmouth. Roll yeah. Yeah. One point loss there to Monmouth. And then Jim, I'm not sure if Maine covered. they lost by five to Bryant. It was just on
3: the teetering edge of it. I think. I believe they got inside the number. Kai, let me, let me check on that real quick for you because look, we want to make sure we're giving people winners, mm-hmm. not losers. And there were certainly a couple losers in the section last week. Yeah. There were six point dogs. Kai. Hey. Yeah. Okay. We'll count that one. Now, of course, we're looking for Moneyline specials here in this
2: section, not just covers, but I'm sure there are many out there that take the spread along with Moneyline or just the spread. Obviously, higher hit rate there, less payout, but that's the trade off, right? Wednesday and Thursday is where we're looking per usual. Just a quick note for the people at home. It's a shame that Miami and Penn State are so banged up because I, I really liked the spot for Miami against Duke. I liked the Penn State spot against Illinois, but... With Nigel Pack, his injury status in question. With Kanye Clary, kind of murky for Penn State. Just no, stay away. off the team. Off the he's team. Gone. His status is known. Off the team. It's incredibly murky.
3: Staying <laughs> yeah. away from both those. I guess we don't know why he's off the team. That part is very murky. <laughs> yes.
2: So Wednesday, I got three pretty big dogs for you guys to chew on here and see if you like anything. Marshall, plus nine, is hosting James Madison. The Herd are much better at home this year. They're five and two straight up versus just 2-5 and five straight up on the road. That's in Sun Belt play only. They beat Louisiana also. So kind of a scary one there for Marshall. They're finally home after a three-game road trip. James Madison embarks on a four-game road trip to end the season, starting with that game. UTSA is hosting South Florida. In my opinion, the ultimate letdown spot for the Bulls here off that FAU win, off the revelation that they're first place in the American now. Holy moly, target on their back. And UTSA has competed at home. They beat Tulane here. They're about a 10-point dog. Who knows, it'll be quite 10, but that's a a juicy money line enticement, in my opinion. And then finally on Wednesday, Furman goes to Samford. Kempom has this one as a 10-point spread as well. Are the Paladins finally back? We've been doing the will-they-won't-they dance the entire season. They have the talent. Preseason, they were supposed to compete for a SOCON title. They beat Samford at Furman in Game 1 by 10 points. They can handle the ball. They can shoot. They can defend the three-point line. Those are three very key points of emphasis against Sanford. And then one last one Thursday, Monmouth at Towson. Shorter spread, five-point spread. Monmouth beat them game one. I just like their game-breaking ability with Xander Rice, the way they can get hot. That makes for a good money line dog. But, fellas, I will shut my mouth, and I want to hear your opinion on these
3: games or maybe some other ones. Jim? Yeah, Kyle, you shut your mouth. Shut it, shut 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 mouth. Uh, I'm, I'm going with UTSA, Meep Meep, as a tribute to Mr. Stuckey on this very feed. I like that one a lot. Uh, they also competed with FAU at home, took them to OT. And South Florida, like while they have been winning games, it has not been mega convincing. They've been in a lot of close ones and have mm-hmm. been, I'm not even going to say fortunate. They've been sharp in those games. They've made big plays late. They survived that big time FAU comeback over the weekend. And yeah, it was the first sellout at South Florida since 2001. This huge win to secure top of the standings. It does feel like a mega letdown spot. Matt, I love the South Florida team. They're super well-coached. Abdurahim is a rising star in the biz. But I think UTSA has got enough, and the spot is great midweek off of that massive win that I'm definitely back in the Roadrunners. A couple of the others sort of intrigue me, but that's the one I'm officially recommending from Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I am also going to be a runner with you boys here. Just looking at the updated Kempom conference-specific statistics, the second-ranked league in terms of close game percentage. So I think the teams that are in the perceived bottom of the basement are much better than not only their being priced, but their analytic profile. So Wichita, Temple, UTSA, even Rice, Tulsa to a lesser extent. So yeah, I think this game's a lot closer. I mean, we have the overrated chance going 10 minutes left (laughs) in the second half. I think this South Florida team is going to 1000% be hungover and fat and happy off that big win, And the shots they were making, my God, Salt Miguel and, and Reed just like, you know, like hooks from 30. I mean, really insane stuff. I just don't think it's sustainable the rest of the way. So good value there. I'm also in on Marshall, Marshall, Marshall. I will run with the runners and run with the herd. Mr. Ricky it's two phenomenal choices by you. I'll get to my third as a closing to this section. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the big, big shebang, but I like those. Can two. I comment on Marshall Kai? i am
3: Yes. I love that you picked out this schedule spot with James Madison. Like the Sun Belt's weird; they've got four straight road games to close the year. Mm-hmm. The one I love, and I hope we discuss it next week, Matt. I'm queuing you, Georgia uh, State, as the third one in that. So they're they're gonna be midweek next week at Georgia State. Georgia State's got four straight home games to close the year. I could see that one being where James Madison has worn down some. I mean, if they lose at Marshall, yeah. maybe this goes out the window. But if they've won those first two of the road, Matthew, I think we got to be on the Panthers next week. I think and they've been playing better. They've won three or four. But I am getting ahead of myself, Kai. Already it's got good. my eyes on February 28th next week. But that's where I'm looking for fading James Madison. It's good to look ahead in these scheduled spots. Just one more point on UTSA, just since we all seem to be
2: on board with this spot here. There is still maybe some regression coming for these two teams. UTSA dead last in three-point percentage allowed in conference play this season. South Florida, number one, three point percentage made number two and three point percentage allowed. While they are really well coached and a very good team, they are getting fortunate shooting splits this season. That's how they are at the top of the conference. It's a combination of things. So I I can see UTSA hanging close in this game. I will pass it to you, fellas, for any other recommendations. I know Jim might have one here and I think Matt has one as
3: well. So start with Jim. Go ahead. Yeah, this one isn't like a big money line price, unfortunately, but I'm going to take Charlotte against Memphis on Wednesday. They're plus five per Ken Palm. Could definitely see this being three and a half or something, given the doom Mm -hmm. and gloom that Penny Hardaway is sending out into the world. He seems completely furious with his players. Matt, we had an all-time Sunday press conference duo between Penny and Patino. The amount of under-the-bus tossing that the coaches did with their players there was impressive. I I don't think I've seen it that frequently. But Memphis is a mess still. I thought they were starting to recover, and then they got completely clowned by SMU. And Charlotte's just super connected. That team plays really well together. They just gave Aaron Fern the permanent head coaching, and it removed the interim tag. Seems like they love playing together. Memphis is the exact opposite. Charlotte's going to slow them down to the half court. I think that one's a great spot for Charlotte, despite it not being a very long price. Matthew, I I think the
1: 49ers get it done. I agree. That's just to keep it simple, right? Like what's going to change in the next 48 hours between what we've heard Sunday and what we've seen basically the last few weeks and when that game comes up. I'm going to go to the Conference USA for my third pick. I guess the artist formerly known as the AAC or some members have already defected. But anyway, the Florida international Panthers, which is never a fun team to bet on ever at any time they could lose by 40, but we're looking for money line dogs here. So the variance to the upside still exists with this team. As we saw, they beat Sam Houston without their two best players. And so I think at home, they're just a much better team in the conference that's had a really strong home court this year. One of these, you know, reshuffle geography leagues where I think the home courts have played to, you know, an under, valued rating than i think is priced in the market i almost wish that arturo dean was out he's almost been a liability since he's come back from that one game absence he's been just chucking and taking terrible shots his efficiency numbers are awful that said i think at home here you might get a good effort from him against a liberty team that while it looks like it's a bad schematic matchup fiu actually played pretty well at liberty in the first meeting so i actually think the just how different they are from liberty works in their favor again especially from a dog high upside swinging from the fences perspective so I'm going to ride with my Panthers in Miami.
2: I consider it, Matt. I consider adding FIU, FIU to the discussion panel. So I like it. Quick recap. I'm on UTSA,
3: Monmouth, and Furman from this section here. Jim? Yep, Charlotte and UTSA for sure. And I do think I am going to join you on Furman, but that'll be a split spread versus outright. The concern is Sanford lost over the weekend, a kind mm. of a surprising yep. one at Mercer. So maybe they trend back up there. I also thought about proposing... Loyal Marymount at Santa Clara, but both teams are just so shorthanded. I don't really know what to do. Santa Clara's yeah, got a lot of spots to Gonzaga. If you care about the spot type of thing, Santa Clara's got Gonzaga on tap. Maybe look at it, but no, I'm not going to do that. So just for me, Charlotte-Furman split between Moneyline and Spread and
1: UTSA. Matt? Marshall, be- UTSA, Lock, Lock, and FIU is my personal special. So there you go. Speed is the theme of this week's section. Love it. Let's go to blowout
2: city for our next section. Fellas a good week last week. We get two out of three Yukon covered against a Paul St. Mary's only won by 44 against Pepperdine, but that'll do that'll do for the blowout. Furman failed to cover against VMI. They, they won by, I think 13 points, not great for the Paladins. Let's hope they bounce back here against Sanford for, for the fellas, but Looking ahead to this week, Wednesday, yeah, we're going to pick on DePaul again. We're sorry. Marquette, minus 26.
3: I'm not sorry at all, Kai.
2: Okay, I'm not sorry. (laughs) DePaul will show up later in this podcast. A little teaser. Marquette, minus 26 per Ken Palm hosting DePaul. This game was actually kind of close at DePaul. 13-point game, but it's pretty clear this DePaul team is done (laughs) for the season. They fired their coach. It really hasn't gotten any better. And then Thursday, I'm looking at Gonzaga at Portland. Gonzaga minus 20 for Ken Pom. They just pummel WCC teams not named St. Mary's and San Francisco. They won this first game by 32. And here's their margin of victories for teams not against St. Mary's, San Francisco in WCC play. 26, 27, 25, 42, 9 Pacific. Wow. Nice job, Pacific. 34, 32, 17, 26. Those are the margin of victories for Gonzaga this season in the conference outside of the top two
3: teams. I think they get this one done. Your thoughts? I love both of these, Kai. I think they're really, really good spots and matchups. Marquette coming off the shellacking at UConn. How else can you exercise your demons than by facing the demons at home? The last time they played DePaul midweek at DePaul, kind of a sleepy effort, had a little bit of a look ahead to a Mm -hmm. revenge spot against Seton Hall. This time, I don't think there's any lackadaisical type of attitude because, again, UConn destroyed them over the weekend and i think they want to right the ship i would look at a first half there too i don't care if it's like minus 16 i think they are up 20 at halftime and they're kind of rolling right away and then yeah Gonzaga is gonna score at the rim at will matthew against portland you know your poor pilots coached by your guy leggings they just got no resistance inside and gonzaga can throw big after big at you two point percentage is terrific they know that style points still matter for the at-large race, potentially for tiebreakers in the WCC. I'm loving betting Gonzaga, and St. Mary's against the dregs
1: of that league. I hate that I don't like either of these. Like, I just have this weird feeling that both of these are just like annoyingly close. If you lay the lay the big big number last year, I remember Portland lost by 15 at home to Gonzaga in the rematch. And I think this season is so done for them. Like, I think if there's any game they're going to get up for and, you know, maybe shoot the lights out, or Liggins has something really tricky up his sleeve, this will be where he pulls it out against a team. I mean, it's exactly, just not that deep, right? Which kind of thought that would play to their favor because they can't actually put in any scrubs. They have to play their guys and they continue to put their foot on the gas. As we saw against LMU, they finished that game with like an 18 0 fork to close. And then with DePaul, they just covered and played pretty well at Providence. We I to say that's Pro- a Providence, of- bad favorite. Providence, bad favorite. That's bad, I, mean. I agree with that. It is crazy that the Paul is 310th in Kempom. Like again, they are priced like a mid-tier Southland team right now. So it's just <laughs> it's hard to see the bottom falling out any lower. But certainly with the effort questions that Brady's talked about in the post-game presser, betting on a team that's not wanting to be there is just not really a good recipe for success.
2: Don't catch a falling knife, as Stucky likes to say, right? That's right. That's, that's the strategy. Fellas, good section. Moving on. Power game of the week. But first, BBOC is proudly presented by Bet MGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions do apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: Before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's
0: etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup
3: Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday okay here
2: we go power game of the week take it Kronk feel the power oh I can feel it on Wednesday and also I stretched the definition of power games guys. I included a Mountain West and an American game. These conferences are good this
3: year. These teams are fighting for their tournament lives on Wednesday. right thing you did the right thing. The right thing. Some of the, the headliner matchups are on Tuesday this week and Monday. So yeah. we didn't get the best power ones.
2: Indeed. So we have to work with what we got here. So Wednesday, Colorado State is at New Mexico. New Mexico is favored by four. That's per Kenpom. We'll see what the actual line is. Major tournament and Mountain West implications are here in Mexico. Really close to that bubble. I'm not even sure Colorado State's that safe. My opinion, Matt, was take Mountain West home teams. But weirdly, the Lobos have dropped two at home at the pit. Boise and UNLV both beat them. Colorado State beat them by eight in game one. New Mexico was four for 11 from the line. They
1: couldn't score inside. What are your thoughts on this game? Donovan Dent did not look like himself in his, I guess, we'll call it return. He didn't really, got hurt on the very last play of the game, the game prior against Nevada, was dicey for that San Diego State game, and he has been kind of the engine all year for this Lobos team, but had six turnovers, three of ten from the floor. He just, you could tell he was sort of out of sorts, and that really put New Mexico behind the eight ball, and against that, you know, front line, just not a great matchup. But again, they're at home. I think he's healthier. He plays much better here. Jamal Mashburn has been playing a little bit better, but man, even two points to follow up his awesome heroics at Nevada. That's just the problem with this Lobo team. It's been two Jekyll and Hyde, but I think at home you get the Jekyll and not the Hyde. I like the Lobos here. I
3: feel like the Mountain West has been extremely spot-based, where
1: like if you're mm-hmm. kind of yeah, zeroing in on the, the
3: buy low home team coming off the loss, fade the sell high road team coming off the huge win... It's been a pretty good trend to follow. Colorado State just smoked Utah State at home over the weekend, beat them by 20. I do expect, and I feel like all these, these spots have been bet, so if it's minus four at Ken Palm, you'll probably see minus five and a half yep. in the market. You'll have to pay a bit of a premium, but I do think I'm willing to do that. I, I, I think New Mexico's got the guards to hang with Stevens. They've got a, enough interior scoring. The pit's a great, great environment. And again, the spot, you've got the, the buy low New Mexico, sell high Colorado State. Extra day of rest since they played Friday. I'll stick with the Lobos guy.
2: I agree. I like the Lobos too here. Should have the turnover edge. Obviously a big spot for them. You guys mentioned the spots. Leaning towards the Lobos here. Yeah, the premium will happen. I can see this one getting up to Six. Much like how Colorado I mean, State seven,
1: it's probably minus seven or something stupid. Yeah, it,
2: it might be. I mean, Colorado State was minus six against Utah State, which seemed big at the time. Obviously, they blew them out. Didn't matter.
3: Yep, and that was four at Ken Palm. I think San Diego State was four at Ken Palm against New Mexico, six on yep. Friday. Like, there's just clearly that that market is pushing that angle. Betting is tough in college basketball this
2: season. Yes, next game, power game of the week here on Wednesday, Florida at Alabama, a good old-fashioned SEC matchup. Alabama minus nine per Kim Pum. Kim Pum also projects 177 points. Has to be close to the highest total we'll see all season. Of course, there's some UMBC and Kennesaw State games earlier on the year that got up there as well. But both teams are rolling right now. I do think there's going to be a lot of points. Alabama scored 100 points in two straight games, eight times total this year. The team just scores. Jim, I'm not sure Florida can really stop Alabama. (laughs) The transition offense is insane. But the Gators probably score in this one pretty easily, too. They'll dominate the paint. What do you think in this one?
3: Yeah, that the matchup inside, especially with Alabama now starting a smaller lineup, they've been playing Ryland Griffin at the four, Grant Nelson at the five, and just being like, you know what? We're amazing at offense. We're going to lean all the way into that. And if you want to beat us up on the glass, we're okay with that because we're going to spread you out. That's just led to more and more points. Alabama's offense is like getting near 2015 Wisconsin levels in terms of Mm -hmm. efficiency. And that team was 345th in tempo. This Alabama one is 11th. So it's like you're just getting these incredible track meets, scoring explosions. They've been even better at home, both against the spread and just shooting the ball. Like you can tell these guys are comfortable in Coleman Coliseum. They love the shooting background there. I kind of don't want to fade the tide at home, Matthew. And while Florida has been playing great, I think they're just going to struggle to guard the amount of playmakers and shooters that Alabama can flood the floor with. So I am leaning towards the home team here. Yeah, I have no interest in trying to catch an under in this matchup. Uh, I think both teams score efficiently, like Kai said, and there's no reason that it won't be a ton of possessions, so lean over. But if I'm betting this, I'm probably going and laying it with the tide
1: at home. I think I will, too. I, I've been caught on the wrong side of the SEC sucker road bets the last couple of weekends. You know, everyone talks about how good Auburn's been at home this year. Like, Alabama's been better at home. Like, they beat South Carolina by a million. They beat Missouri by 18. Actually, a pretty good effort from your, your Tigers, all things considered. Beat Auburn, beat LSU by 20-something, Mississippi State by 30, and AM by 25. So, I have Florida State, you know, appraised very highly in my regards and my power ratings, but I think this... Just the way Bama's playing, and defensively, I think they're actually underrated, as crazy that sounds, and just all you need is an average defense to go with this offense, and, and and bad matchup right? with the speed and perimeter that they have to throw at Florida, so yeah, it's going to be a close-your-eyes, small lay-it-with-Bama and just hope the tide roll literally at home. Alabama 11-2
3: and two against the spread at home, covering by an average of 9.5 per game, like wow. they have been a wagon at Coleman. It's a better jungle in Tuscaloosa, I might contend. J- oh wow,
2: shots fired. Jim mentioned the, the offensive efficiency. They currently have the fourth highest adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken history, so since 1999. Obviously not perfect comparing year to year, but an insane number right now Alabama's putting up offensively. And also worth noting, nine-point spread, it's not that big when there's projected to be 177 points in, in a million possessions. I lean towards Alabama as well in that game. Okay, finally, on Thursday, we go to the American SMU. At Florida Atlantic, the Owls laying four per Ken a huge game. Both teams are tied at 10-3 and three in the American for third place. FAU, Matt, we know, has played with their food in every single game. It finally bit them against South Florida last game. And SMU's been rolling. Six straight wins, although just 3-3 three and three against the spread. You have to think FAU is locked in here. But SMU clearly has an edge scoring in the paint, and it's going to be tough to keep them off the glass.
1: Yeah, I think we said SMU is like very real. Like I think they had some favorable three-point shooting regression that was sort of forcing everyone to be like ah, it's a hoax. But I mean, they've won six in a row and they've beaten some really good teams in tough spots. Like their defense is very, very real, and offensively is where they can sort of go awry. But I think their defense gives them a chance in every game. And FA, you wanted now three and eight in the conference against the number, so three and ten, 10. Three and, 10. and wow. probably should be two and eleven if they're not covered by doubles in overtime against Wichita State. So. This is another one where the market will probably open like FAU minus six, you'd say right, minus seven. Like I'd be shocked if it's FAU minus four. So again, another opportunity for if you're kind of selling the market overhypeness on the spots and the perception stuff, I would probably wait and you can probably get a pretty good price to back the road feisty ponies in Boca Raton.
3: Yeah, this is kind of like the opposite of what I was saying with Mountain West, where I feel like that's been a very profitable spot betting league. I don't think American has been quite as much SMU sort of the anti South Florida in league play. They've lost most of their close games, lost by five at Wichita, two at North Texas, three at Memphis, where South Florida's won like every single close game they've played. I, I think they keep it close again. I just don't trust FAU's defense at all. They have not stopped mm-hmm. anyone in league play. It seems like they wait till the second half to try to turn it on in every game, and it just doesn't work that way. Coming off the loss, maybe that's a like like we said, the spot is there, but SMU is just too physical, and they're almost as good as Florida Atlantic at this point. So I lean towards the dog, especially if we get the inflated price like Matt was talking about.
2: Yes, very spread dependent. If it's four, I I like FAU. The wake-up call hopefully was there for them against USF. They're the more talented team, and no one has really stopped them offensively in the American. I'm not sure SMU can either, but yes, their defense, FAU's defense has been a sieve. If it's a seven-point spread, for instance... Don't feel comfortable laying that. But I'm hoping the Owls get back at it. We, we love our Owls, guys, the burrowing Owls. Okay, that does it for Power Games of the Week. Now we go to the mid-major Games of the Week. We've got two picked out for you today on Thursday. Grand Canyon travels to Tarleton State. Grand Canyon minus four on the road. Tarleton, guys, if you haven't been paying attention out there, they've oh, won been six straight. They've we've covered six it. straight. They're second in the whack and a win here them. I roughly one and a half games back. I was trying to do some cool standings math, but I think that's where they'd be at. But Grand Canyon is legit. 24 and two on the year. A legitimate at-large chance for them, just based on that gaudy record and, and how many chances they had to lose the rest of the year. They dominated game one. Tarleton .79 points per possession in the first game. Four in every area. 74 to 48. Grand Canyon gym has just such a big edge on the glass here. You're talking best offensive rebounding rate versus worst defensive rebounding rate in the WAC. Can Tarleton even hope
3: to keep this one close? I think they can. They just seem really feisty. I mean, they've got a bunch of big playmaking wings. I'm sure Matt will dive into that more. I know he's watched them with the eye test a little bit more than I have. The WAC is so strange because they've got like that Ken Palm adjacent seating Mm -hmm. thing where Grand Canyon's like, I think they could lose out and still be the number one seed. But Tarleton's still in the fight for the two seed. Like because you factor in all the non-conference stuff, they have plenty of incentive to continue battling and trying to stay on the opposite side of the bracket from Grand Canyon when you get to Wack Vegas. I think there's enough here, Matthew, despite the clear disparity on the boards, the massive edge in like high-level guard playmaking for Grand Canyon, but there's some mismatches on that Tarleton team, and I think that's how they've thrived pretty much throughout the, the league play here. So I, I think they can hang, but I'm not willing to to back the home dog here. This, this, this one's going to be a stay away from me.
1: I'm gonna back it. I'm sure the number will be too short because of how well Tarleton's play. They played too well for me to get a good price in this in this rematch. But I think the what makes them so unique is what screwed them in the first match. But I think the sheer size just just overwhelmed Grand Canyon, overwhelmed Tarleton in the first matchup. I think at Tarleton, just a different type of game. I think they counter with their basically interchangeable six six. Of linebackers, Keandre Gatti. And my favorite is Emmanuel Andeseni, the uh, Italian freshman who's just like an absolute tank at the point of attack on the ball. I don't know where they find these guys, but like this is like a real talented team and like the most skilled team that they've had there. It's like it kind of has the cockroach vibes, but with some skill and upside. It's been absolutely deadly in this conference. Now we'll find out, Kai, if just the, the size is truly the kryptonite in the rematch, but I love the spot. Got a week off and Jim's right. All the incentive to play for this. With the WAC seating stuff, they have solidified their spot in the WAC tournament, but the seed is still very far from certain. So yeah, I'm right with my Texans. I think I've, I'm the eye test. Lured me right in. I'm just in on this team.
2: I just think the fouling, the fact that Grand Canyon lives the line, Tarleton will put you there. Home whistle. That's what I'm hoping for. The, the rebounding <laughs> splits. To Tarleton's favor, they beat Grand Canyon by 19 points last year at home. So they have done this before. It's not crazy to think about. I just think Grand Canyon's Amazing this season. So I lean towards Grand Canyon. Again, we'll see what the spread is on Thursday. Okay, Friday ends our mid-major game of the week section. Yeah, we're dipping our toe on Friday because it's a great one. Yale at Cornell in the Ivy. Cornell minus two in Pom. The winner will lead the Ivy outright for the time being. Yale won game one by just two points. Cornell led by as many as 15 in that game. Yale won that game despite shooting three for 14 from three. But they were 21 for 27 from the line and they grabbed 50% of their misses. Jim, do you see a second win for Yale and a sweep of the Cornell Big Red?
3: I'm kind of guessing Cornell gets him back here just with how they, you know, how that game played out and kind of the better and deeper backcourt that they've got. I would imagine Danny Wolf has another huge game in the paint. Mm-hmm. He can eat inside. He had 25 and 10 in that one. But Yale's got to take care of the ball, man. That's, Cornell can can bother you with it. Yale had 13 turnovers at home. If that goes up on the road, that's a real issue. Bezembang is a terrific on-ball creator, but he's kind of the only ball handler. Mahoney and Pulikidis are more shooters. They need Noling in there, Matthew. He's been out for them. you got to get him back in the lineup. Yeah, he he's handles the ball a lot, yeah. Real mismatch opportunity for him. Yep, and, and yeah, a big ball handler that can pass over the press. I kind of think Cornell gets this done, which makes me sad as a Yale ivy future holder i'm gonna have to rely on
1: cornell losing to princeton in that rematch i know me too but the concern for yale is even if they get this win they gotta take the four-hour bus ride play back-to-back in columbia the next day which usually we can circle as an automatic win but this year's lions are pretty pesky so yeah this is basically yale's whole season like after this week they have dartmouth at home harvard at home and brown at home those are all going to be games once they're favored by double digits so if you're james jones and you're the staff and rallying the troops, it's like Get two wins this weekend. We're probably home free here, at least in the driver's seat to you know, you know, win the league, but also secure yourself a top two seed in the Ivy madness. But I'm with you. I think Cornell just wins the rematch here.
2: I'm kind of leaving the Yale but it, it does depend Ooh, on go. on nulling a little bit. Yeah, he missed the game against Princeton. He he will matter. Danny Wolf's gonna be hungry like the wolf to score points. Zero points oh. against Princeton. And Duran Kai. Look yeah. at you. He's gonna take <laughs> it out on him. Yeah. Cornell's dangerous, man. Shooting <laughs> is their strength. And yeah, they they throw out a press. Yale has to take care of the ball, but they should score inside. It's a big mismatch. Yale, best offense and defense in the Ivy League. I think they're the best team in this league by a solid margin, we'll say. I, I do lean their way in this game. All right, Trash Man Pick of the Week, and then Spotlight to finish us off.
1: The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash
0: Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good.
2: On Wednesday, per usual, just watch the Patriot if you're really into pain and suffering and you want a trash man pick.
3: We're going to stay away from that league. But hey, I believe the first conference title clinched. Colgate's up four games with three to play, so they have clinched their fifth straight regular season title in the Patriot. They were minus 250 in preseason futures. Kai, I laid it with a little bit. Made some money. Yeah, probably
2: the worst Colgate team in five years, six years, and still dominating the league. Incredible. (laughs) But Thursday, a nice little trash trash man pick of the week for you. Cal Poly at Cal State Fullerton in the Big West. Fullerton minus 11 for Kim Pum. This one's projected for 65 possessions, 127 total points. Fullerton's lost five straight. They have the second worst Big West offense. Cal Poly's 0-14 in the Big West with the worst offense. Just .884 points per possession in the entire league play for them. 14 games. They also have the worst defense. Game one, Matt. Fifty-four to fifty-one in favor of Fullerton, Sixty-one possessions. It's going to be gross. I'll tell you what, double digits seems a bit high considering how many possessions this
1: one plays to, and how impotent Fullerton's offense is. Yeah, I think Hal Poly is the most fascinating example of any team in the country. They're the worst team to bet on, obviously, because they they stink. But they're just as maddening to bet against. Like they kind of have that cockroach vibe to them. And I think that yeah, sixty-six and sixty-four against the spread since so John Smith got there and they've been terrible the whole time. So you are usually <laughs> getting pretty good prices, like bargain basement, penny, garage sale prices to back them. And they John Smith for as cheesy as he is, they do seem to compete as talented boys they are. So any game involving Kyle Pauli, as I believe our our brethren at RAS learn the hard way, you don't need to get involved. You just sit on the sidelines and you know do something else with your life or your money.
3: I just checked in my Big West betting I'm down a million dollars this year. I have Yeah, it's something not, not, like not that. Bet. Well, the, no, the Big West has been difficult, but I will say if Kobe Sanders is out again for Cal Poly, you can fade them. He's missed three games this year. They've lost by 29, 25, and 15. Hmm. The 15 was at Riverside, a super slow game. He is their entire offense, and as Kai already mentioned, it's a bad offense, and he's the only good player on it. So if you take him out, the formula gets really, really, really gross, and I think you can them that's a keep an eye on the check the lineup a tip there you go sanders dependent if you really want to bet on this game there's your
2: answer for cal poly Forton. all right let's finish off the show with a spotlight section today's is fun with bart torvik if you're not familiar barttorvik.com. great job a ken pom-esque sort of site but what you can do with bart torvik which is very cool is filter how good teams have been i.e. rankings since a certain date So we're going to look at the best and worst teams since January 15th, again, about a month ago, and the biggest changes. Changes meaning their overall rank for the season versus how good they've been from January 15th. So best teams, we're going to run through a lot of these, not spend too much time on them, but some interesting things, some interesting things to think about as you look forward to betting if you're more of a current form leaner than historicals. Top 10, UConn, Houston, Tennessee, Purdue, Iowa State, St. Mary's at number six, Arizona, Kansas, Auburn, and Illinois.
3: Not too many surprises for me in the top 10, gyms since January 15th. No, just St. Mary's. I mean, that's the one name that's just like, whoa, they belong up there in that elite crew. They've been rolling one of the nation's longest winning streaks, maybe maybe the longest winning streak. The one concern with them, if you're going to continue backing them, is, is the Joshua Jefferson injury. Mm-hmm. Kind of their only real versatile forward piece kind of a connector between their bigs and their guards and now they're having to play former walk on Connor Barrett as a starter who is or Luke Barrett excuse me who's solid very nice player but just doesn't have the same dynamism as Jefferson and without him it's it's maybe a different team but they're just so sound defensively that I'm not like rushing to the table to fade them either considering Randy Bennett's got him firing on all cylinders I'm glad they're back Matt I'm glad St. Mary's is back they're back Mason Forbes coming out party. That was my
2: really okay,
1: thank profound you. take I had to get in there. Thank you.
2: Just some notables about the best teams since January 15th that I think are interesting to point out. Wazoo, Washington State, the number 13 team in the country in the last month. Florida, number 14. Northwestern, number 20. How about that? And UCLA, the Bruins, number 25. McCronin making a late push here at the end of the year to try to get into that tournament. We'll see if they can do it. The best mid-major, best true mid-major, is Drake at number thirty-one. It's not Indiana State. They've actually fallen back after the last
3: couple of losses, unfortunately. And then Drake's lurking in the the at-large discussion too, Kai. Yeah, they, they're crazy. legitimately like right on that cusp, first four out, kind of next four out area.
2: Let's get two Valley teams, Drake and Indiana State. Put them both in, please. And then BCU thirty-eight since one-fifteen. Matt, you like Wazoo. You like Florida. You're starting to like UCLA among those mm-hmm. teams.
1: Yeah, I finally backed UCLA against uh, Utah, and that was just a tough one to to take there. But yeah, they, if Sebastian Mack would stop elbowing people in their trachea, they actually have a real chance here to make a big push in the Pac-12, which means nothing big picture. Like it's at large is pretty much completely shot for them. And but hey, maybe in uh, a Pac Vegas. What are we calling it, Jim? What, what's the nickname for Pac-12 Vegas? I don't the know. Final for the final swan song the week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just the... I think there'll be a tough out in that. I can see UCLA. Squeezing into the field as an automatic 12 C and then just being a thorn in any five seeds side for sure. Yeah,
3: The defense looks like I watched the first game of Maui and they defended the crap out of Marquette and was like, oh my God, how do you score against them? They're everywhere. They're athletic. They're strong. They've got the and toughness. And then that just kind of waned and they were horrific offensively for so long. Now Dylan Andrews is playing well at point guard. You add that to, to some of the other defensive ingredients that they have and it's like, oh yeah, this team's competent. High Northwestern, real quick. Yeah. They've kind of maintained it a little, even with Ty Berry going out. The shot making's been great. They just won at Indiana. Nick Martinelli's been really good. Barnheiser's been terrific. I've been impressed of how they've kind of lasted despite losing seemingly one of their, you know, top two players, major shot creator and Barry. I think I would love a Northwestern versus Mountain West team matchup in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm already craving it. Yeah, Chris Collins. Good job, man.
2: Good job this year. I oh, didn't know tracheas could break. That's my uh, Jason Statham, Sebastian Mack. Transporter? I forgot. That Honestly, I think it is Transporter. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's all the same movie. Okay, let's look at worst teams really quick. No need to dwell on these teams. Just wanted to point it out. So the worst team since January 15th, Tennessee Tech, Lindenwood, IUPUI, who just lost to Detroit. Congrats, Detroit, on their first Division one win of the season. Coppin State and then Mississippi Valley State is the worst team in the country. They've been the worst team in the country pretty much all year. They're still winless. The poor Delta
3: Devils. Shame. It's a real bummer that they're not even trending up. They're just continuing to be (laughs) residing at 362 in every standings page. It's sad times down in Utabana. Very sad. Some notables here. DePaul, we mentioned they're 310
2: in Kempom. They are 314 since January 15th in Bart Torvik. That is, like Matt said, a Southland team, basically, which is just... So sad for Chicago's Big East team. Kennesaw State, 310. This team was really good to start a sun play and pretty feisty in the non-con. They've really fallen off a cliff the past month or so. And then Radford. I mean, the Big South is weird this season with Radford and even Longwood, who's one of the biggest fallers in the next section, just tanking this year. I I don't really understand, Jim, what's happened in the Big South.
3: Yeah, Radford alone and last in the standings right now. Just 3-9. (laughs) <laughs> it makes no sense to me. It's got a fairly talented team. I thought Darius Nichols did a really good job last year. They've had a couple guys in and out, but only missing like one game. It wasn't as though they've had some extended stretches of absences. So I, yeah, very, very shocked to see them all the way down mm-hmm. there. All right, let's go. Biggest
2: and notable changes from the overall ranking to the past month. So the biggest fallers. we'll start pessimistic first in the podcast on an optimistic note. Penn is actually the biggest follower from their current standing at 204 in Bartorvik, 287 since January 15th. So the Quakers kind of bowing out quickly. Clark Slatchert, I believe that's how his name is pronounced. Him being out has been a huge deal for Penn. He's the best player. So a little bit of a pass for them. San Jose State has gone from 201 to 283. In the past month, has been playing the 283rd ranked team. Longwood is on this list, 191 to 266. St. Thomas our Tommies looked invincible to start Summit play. They have really fallen off the 221st-ranked team since January 15th, 147 overall. And then Radford, like we discussed, they are currently 294 since January 15th, 228 overall.
3: There's really good coaches here. Yeah, Steve, Johnny, Tim Miles, say, yeah. really With good coaches. Coaches, Johnny Tower, Like you can point to injuries a little bit for some of them, but... There's some very, very surprising names here for teams that I would expect to get better as the year goes on and instead have trended down. So I guess that goes to show you that, you know, nothing is infallible, even even coaches with great track records.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at at least, I would say Longwood, Penn, St. Thomas, Radford were not overachieving to start the year. I think they were all expected to be close to the top of their leagues and they just haven't lived up to expectations, which is strange. Some notables here, some followers, Matthew, Utah, oh no. 42 overall, 106 since January 15th. They look like they are petering out of the tournament picture pretty darn quick.
3: Oh, Thank God they got that one at UCLA, Matt. I know you lost a yes. bet, but I want the Utes and the attorney, and they needed I that one. I was happy to see it. Speaking of the Pac-12, USC, 102 overall, but they're 155th
2: since January 15th. That's a lot of talent on the roster. I know they had some guys out, but uh, Andy Enfield, not a good look, Jim.
3: He doesn't have the wait. I've got the number four recruiting class coming in next year. Like that was always the card he could play. Like, oh, don't fire me now. I've got Isaiah Collier coming in. Don't fire me now. I've got Evan Mobley coming in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has that one to play this year, especially since the Collier experiment hasn't worked.
2: Unfortunately, our FAU owls are on this list. 60th overall, but 105th since January 15th. Matt alluded to the, and Jim, I suppose too, ten against the spread in the AAC. Not great. Xavier and St. John's. I kind of knew, but St. John's is 27th overall in Bartorowicz, a bit high, but 53rd since January 15th, Xavier 51st overall, 87th since January 15th. So a couple of Big East teams falling down the past month or so. What's it called when you separate the top and the bottom? There's a name for the chaff from the wheat. Oh, I I thought it was (laughs) like cream rising to the top. Yeah, that too. But the Big East is doing that. It's separating. (laughs) Oil and water. Okay, biggest risers. Then we finish it off. North Dakota has been the biggest riser over the past month. Matt, they're winning the summit currently, North Dakota. 138th best team since January 15th.
1: Yeah, they're like one of the most physical and best rebounding teams in the summit. And they're really not that physical. This is going to be whoever comes out of this league, I will be fading heavily in the tournament. That's sort of where I'm at with the summit. So Mm -hmm. I'm basically ignoring it until I see whoever comes out of the dumb Sioux Falls automatic bid. Even if it's the Jack Bunnies, auto fade in the dance. There you have okay. it. The only thing that's not dumb about it, it's the Pentagon, Matthew. Come on.
3: Mm. Be nice Pentagon's to the Pentagon. so
1: good. I don't think North Dakota will win the league, but they've been impressive. I, the Jack Bunnies aren't good enough to deserve that home court. That's what <laughs> bothers me this year about it being at the Pentagon. It's just like, it's cool and they're awesome, and then it gives them the edge to win it. But this year, I just don't like them enough, and they don't deserve that advantage. That's my take. South Carolina State has been quite good the past
2: month. Fallen under my radar, for sure. 202nd since January 15th is very good for a MEAC
3: school. So South Carolina State, Good job. Yeah, Eric Martin took over like middle offseason last year and has done a terrific job. I I have a very, very tiny howard Miak future, and they just completely skewered that Monday night. South Carolina State won at Howard and put that out of its misery. So I'm glad I don't have to track it the the next couple weeks. Yeah, Norfolk running away with
2: the Miak right now, two games up. Central Michigan's been fantastic the past month, 178th overall. They've looked great in the MAC. The MAC has been weird as hell (laughs) this season with Kent State not being very good. So kudos to them. Rider, a team that was picked to win the Metro Atlantic by many. This season is finally showing up a little bit. 158th in the past month. And then UMBC finally maybe defending a little bit better. I don't know. Uh, playing a little bit slower tempo and not running with their heads cut off. 207th since January 15th. One of the biggest risers in the country. Some notables to end the show. We talked about UCLA already. Yeah, 25th in the country since January 15th, 87th overall, the Bruins are coming, look out. A couple American teams, guys, we can discuss real quick. UAB, 115th on the season, but 57th since January 15th. South Florida, 63rd in the past month. South Florida, we talked about, Jim. I don't buy that they're going to keep winning the rest of the way.
3: They're a good team, but I don't know. I think I saw D1 Docket, good follow on Twitter. He tweeted, like, since January 1st, American performance in South Florida was like sixth, and yet Mm -hmm. they are alone atop the standings. UAB was ahead of them. I buy UAB trending up. Yaxel Lendeborg, Kai, the monster monster. Juco transfer, just a beast on the glass. Every year, Andy Kennedy teams are terrific up front and, and on the offensive glass. Lendeborg's been a perfect match for player and coach there. I think they are a definite threat to win that tournament come March.
1: It's a really good league. We said it all year. It's a very good league. At this league in the postseason. There you go. Another free bet yeah. angle for
2: me. That is a good bet angle, man. I think they'll do very well in the
3: postseason. UAB, I thought, would compete. And I, yeah. NIT included. Like, I, I think they'll yes. be. It's Seems like last year when USA ran through <laughs> NIT. I think America can do that in the NIT. Yep. And then two power
2: teams. So Virginia is actually 27th since January 15th. I don't know if everyone saw the game last night, though. Virginia Tech, Virginia. It was a beatdown. The Hoos had .66 points per possession all but ending my crazy parlay that would have paid out a lot of money if they won the ACC. Rest in peace, Virginia. They'll make the tournament, but they won't be very good in it, I don't think. Matt, I don't don't like by buy this team. And then finally, Wazoo, Washington State, 13th best team. We talked about it already uh, since January 15th. Kyle Smith, get in my tournament. Second place in the Pac-12 right now.
3: Yeah, could have been a power game of the week on Thursday. Washington State at Arizona, Arizona battling for, for top of the Pac-12 there. I have a lot wrapped up in Arizona futures, both mm-hmm. in parlays and straight up. I hope they get it done against the Wazoo Cougars, sadly. But like you said, Kai, get all the way in my tournament. I, I think their resume stuff is getting stronger and stronger. Predictives are trending way up, as you're you're mentioning here, playing like a top 15 team. The team's just good, and Kyle Smith should, should get all kinds of credit and flowers for what he's done there.
2: Yeah, Kyle Smith's fifth year, finally looking like a tournament team. Be the first tournament since 2008. That was Tony Bennett. Sweet 16 team featuring Kyle Weaver and NBA player, Aaron Baines. So it's it's been a while, been a while for Wazoo. That does it for us, fellas, and and people out there listening. Join us next week, same time, same day for BBOC, Big Bets on Campus. Thank you again to BetMGM. Enjoy the week and the weekend of hoops and good luck on your bets.